Chapter Thirty of the House of the Wolfings. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. The House of the Wolfings by William Morris. Chapter Thirty. Theodolf is born out of the hall and Otter is laid beside him. So when they heard her voice they came thither flockmeal, and a great throng mingled of many kindreds was in the hall, but with one consent they made way for the children of the wolf to stand nearest to the dais. So there they stood, the warriors mingled with the women, the swains with the old men, the freemen with the thralls. For now the stay-at-homes of the house were all gotten into the garth, and the more part of them had flowed into the feast-hall when they knew that the fire was slackening. All these now had heard the clear voice of the hall-son, or others had told them what had befallen, and the wave of grief had swept coldly over them amidst their joy of the recoverance of their dwelling-place. Yet they would not wail nor cry aloud, even to ease their sorrow, till they had heard the words of the hall-son, as she stood facing them beside their dead war-duke. Then she spake, O sorely the old, come up hither, thou hast been my fellow in arms this long while. So the old man came forth, and went slowly in his clashing war-gear up on to the dais. But his attire gleamed and glittered, since over old was he to thrust deep into the press that day, howbeit he was wise in war. So he stood beside her on the dais, holding his head high, and proud he looked, for all his thin white locks and sunken eyes. But again said the hall-son, Canst thou hear me, wolf-kettle, when I bid thee stand beside me, or art thou too gone on the road to Valhall? Forth then strode that mighty warrior, and went toward the dais. Not fair was his array to look on, for point and edge had rent it and stained it red, and the flaring of the hall-flames had blackened it, his face was streaked with black withal, and his hands were as the hands of a smith among the thralls who hath wrought unwashen in the haste and hurry when men look to see the war-arrow abroad. But he went up on to the dais, and held up his head proudly, and looked forth on to the hall-crowd with eyes that gleamed fiercely from his stained and blackened face. Again the hall-son said, Art thou also alive, O Egil the messenger? Swift are thy feet, but not to flee from the foe. Come up and stand with us. Therewith Egil clave the throng. He was not so roughly dealt with as was Wolfkettle, for he was a bowman, and had this while past shot down on the Romans from aloof, and he yet held his bended bow in his hand. He also came up on to the dais and stood beside Wolfkettle, glancing down on the hall-crowd, looking eagerly from side to side. Yet again the hall-son spake. No aliens are dwelling in the mark. Come hither, ye men of the kindreds. Come thou, our brother Hirandi of the Elkings, for thy sisters, our wives, are fain of thee. Come thou, Valtir of the Laxings, brother's son of Otter. Do thou for the war-duke what thy father's brother had done, had he not been faring afar. Come thou, Geirbald of the Shieldings, the messenger, now know we the deeds of others and thy deeds. Come stand beside us for a little. 
Forth, then, they came in their rent and battered war-gear, and the tall Hirondi bore but the broken truncheon of his sword, and Valtier a woodman's axe notched and dull with work, and Geirbald a Roman cast spear, for his own weapons had been broken in the medley, and he came the last of the three, going as a belated reaper from the acres. There they stood by the others and gazed adown the hall-throng. But the hall-son spake again. Agni of the Dalings, I see thee now. How camest thou into the hard hand-play, old man? Come hither and stand with us, for we love thee. Ungantir of the Bearings, fair was thy riding on the day of the battle of the ridge. Come thou and be with us. Shall the beamings whose daughters we marry fail the house of the wolf to-day? Geirod, thou hast no longer a weapon, but the fight is over, and this hour thou needst it not. Come to us, brother. Gunbald of the Valings, the falcon on thy shield is dim with the dint of point and edge, but it hath done its work to ward thy valiant heart. Come hither, friend. Come all ye and stand with us. As she named them, so they came, and they went up onto the dais and stood all together, and a terrible band of warriors they looked had the fight been to begin over again, and they to meet death once more. And again spake the hall-son, Steinulf and Grani, deft are your hands, take ye the stalks of the war-blossoms, the spears of the kindreds, and knit them together to make a beer for our war-duke, for he is weary and may not go afoot. Thou, Ali, son of Grey, thou hast gone errands for me before. Go forth now from the garth and wend thy ways toward the water, and tell me when thou comest back what thou hast seen of the coming of the Wainberg, for by this time it should be drawing anigh. So Ali went forth, and there was silence of words for a while in the hall, but there arose the sound of the woodwrights busy with the wimble and the hammer about the bier. No long space had gone by when Ali came back into the hall, panting with his swift running, and he cried out, O Hall-son, they are coming, the last wain hath crossed the ford, and the first is hard at hand, bright are their banners in the sun. Then said the Hall-son, O warriors, it is fitting that we go to meet our banners returning from the field, and that we do the gods to wit what deeds we have done. Fitting is it also that Theodolf our war-duke wend with us. Now get ye into your ordered bands, and go we forth from the fire-scorched hall, and out into the sunlight that the very earth and the heavens may look upon the face of our war-duke, and bear witness that he hath played his part as a man." Then without more words the folk began to stream out of the hall, and within the garth which the Romans had made they arrayed their companies. But when they were all gone from the hall save they who were on the dais, the hall-son took the waxen torch, which she had litten and quenched at the departure of the host to battle, and now she once more kindled it at the flame of the wondrous lamp, the hall-son but the woodwrights brought the bier which they had made of the spear-shafts of the kindred, and they laid thereon a purple cloak, gold-embroidered of the treasure of the wolfings, and thereon was Theodolf laid. Then those men took him up, to wit, Sorley the Old, and Wolfkettle, and Egil. All these were of the wolfing-house, Hirondi of the Elkings also, and Valtir of the Laxings, Geirbald of the Shieldings, Agni of the Dalings, Anjantir of the Bearings, Geirod of the Beamings, Gunbald of the Vallings. All these, with the two valiant woodwrights, Steinulf and Grani, laid hand to the bier. So they bore it down from the dais and out at the man's door into the sunlight, 
and the hall-son followed close after it, holding in her hand the candle of returning. It was an hour after high noon of a bright midsummer's day when she came out into the garth, and the smoke from the fire-scorched hall yet hung about the trees of the wood-edge. She looked neither down towards her feet, nor on the right side or the left, but straight before her. The ordered companies of the kindreds hid the sight of many fearful things from her eyes, though indeed the thralls and women had mostly gleaned the dead from the living both of friend and foe, and were tending the hurt of either host. Through an opening in the ranks, moreover, could they by the bier behold the scanty band of Roman captives, some standing up, looking dully around them, some sitting or lying on the grass talking quietly together, and it seemed by their faces that for them the bitterness of death was past. Forth, then, fared the host by the west gate, where Theodolf had done so valiantly that day, and out on to the green amidst the booths and lesser dwellings. Sore then was the heart of the hall-son, as she looked forth over dwelling and acre and meadow, and the blue line of the woods beyond the water, and bethought her of all the familiar things that were within the compass of her eyesight, and remembered the many days of her father's loving-kindness, and the fair words wherewith he had solaced her life-days. But of the sorrow that wrung her heart nothing showed in her face, nor was she paler now than her wont was. For high was her courage, and she would in no wise mar that fair day and victory of the kindreds with grief for what was gone, whereas so much of what once was yet abided and should abide for ever. Then fared they down through the acres, where what was yet left of the wheat was yellowing toward harvest, and the rye hung grey and heavy, for bright and hot had the weather been all through these tidings, howbeit much of the corn was spoiled by the trampling of the Roman bands. So came they into the fair open meadow, and saw before them the wains coming to meet them with their folk, to wit a throng of stout carls of the thrall-folk led by the war-wise and ripe men of the steerings. Bright was the gleaming of the banner-wains, though for the lack of wind the banners hung down about their staves, the sound of the lowing of the bulls and the oxen, the neighing of horses and bleating of the flocks, came up to the ears of the host as they wended over the meadow. They made stay at last on the rising ground, all trampled and in parts bloody, where yesterday Theodolf had come on the fight between the remnants of Otter's men and the Romans. There they opened their ranks, and made a ring around about a space, amidst of which was a little mound whereon was set the bier of Theodolf. The wains and their warders came up with them and drew a garth of the wains round about the ring of men with the banners of the kindreds in their due places. There was the wolf and the elk, the falcon, the swan, the boar, the bear and the green tree, the willow-bush, the ged, the water-bank and the wood-ozel, the steer, the mallard and the roe-deer. All these were of the mid-mark. But of the upper-mark were the horse and the spear, and the shield and the daybreak, and the dale, and the mountain, and the brook, and the weasel, and the cloud, and the heart. Of the nether mark were the salmon, and the lynx, and the lingworm, the seal, the stone, and the sea-mew, the buck-goat, the apple-tree, the bull, the adder, and the crane. There they stood in the hot sunshine three hours after noon, and a little wind came out of the west and raised the pictured cloths upon the banner-staves, so that the men could now see the images of the tokens of their houses, and the fathers of old time. Now was there silence in the ring of men. But it opened presently, and through it came all armed warriors bearing another bier. And lo, otter upon it, 
dead in his war-gear with many a grievous wound upon his body. For men had found him in an ingle of the wall of the great roof, where he had been laid yesterday by the Romans, when his company and the bearings with the wormings made their onset. For the Romans had noted his exceeding valour, and when they had driven off the Goths, some of them brought him dead inside their garth, for they would know the name and dignity of so valorous a man. So now they bore him to the mound where Theodolf lay, and set the bier down beside Theodolf's, and the two war-dukes of the markmen lay there together, and when the warriors beheld that sight they could not forbear, but some groaned aloud, and some wept great tears, and they clashed their swords on their shields, and the sound of their sorrow and their praise went up to the summer heavens. Now the hall-sun, holding aloft the waxen torch, lifted up her voice and said, O warriors of the wolfings, by the token of the flame, that here in my right hand flickers, ye are back at the house of the name, and there yet burneth the hall-sun beneath the wolfing roof, and the flame that the foeman quickened hath died out far aloof. Ye gleanings of the battle, lift up your hearts on high, for the house of the war-wise wolfings and the folk undoomed to die. But ye kindreds of the markmen, the wolfing guests are ye, and to-night we hold the high tide, and great shall the feasting be. For to-day by the road that we know not a many wend their ways, to the gods and the ancient fathers, and the hope of the latter days. And how shall their feet be cumbered if we tangle them with woe, and the heavy rain of sorrow drift o'er the road they go? They have toiled, and their toil was troublous to make the days to come. Use ye their gifts in gladness, lest they grieve for the ancient home. Now are our maids arraying that fire-scorched hall of ours, with the treasure of the wolfings and the wealth of summer flowers, and this eve the work before you will be the hall to throng, and purge its walls of sorrow, and quench its scathe and wrong." She looked on the dead Theodolf a moment, and then glanced from him to Otter, and spake again. O kindreds, here before you two mighty bodies lie. Henceforth no man shall see them in house and field go by, as we were used to behold them, familiar to us then as the wind beneath the heavens and the sun that shines on men. Now soon shall there be nothing of their dwelling-place to tell, save the billow of the meadows, the flower-grown grassy swell. Now therefore, O ye kindreds, if amidst you there be one, who hath known the heart of the war-dukes, and the deeds their hands have done, will not the word be with him, while yet your hearts are hot, of our praise and long remembrance, and our love that dieth not? Then let him come up hither and speak the latest word, or the limbs of the battle-weary, and the hearts outworn with the sword." She held her peace, and there was a stir in the ring of men, for they who were anigh the dailing banner saw an old warrior sitting on a great black horse, and fully armed. He got slowly off his horse, and walked toward the ring of warriors, which opened before him. For all knew him for Asmund the Old, the war-wise warrior of the Dalings, even he who had lamented over the hauberk of Theodolf. He had taken horse the day before, and he had ridden toward the battle, but was belated, and had come up with them of the Wainburg just as they had crossed the water. End of chapter 30